Hello, friends, and welcome to We Love to See It, episode one, the first official episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Myron Unja, and I am so excited, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for just joining me on this new part of my journey. I have been working on this show for all of 2020 it has been a long time coming so to finally be working on this first episode and be able to share it with you is so amazing if you've tuned into the trailer then you already know what this is about if you haven't you better get on it girl but i'm gonna give you a quick synopsis Basically, this is all about uh, sharing the perspectives of from women of color working in fashion, beauty, media and entertainment, all about just basically our takes and our looks at what's going on in the industry, topics, trends, tea, you name it, we're on it. And I thought that the best thing to do for this first episode would be to introduce you guys to my voice. You know, a lot of times people don't see me as much, uh, hear my voice, that is. They just see me on Instagram, see my shoots and whatnot. But you guys don't really get all of me and all of my personality. So I thought this would be an amazing way to really kickstart that is to just like let you guys get to know me. And um, what better way than to kind of be the host and be the voice, the storyteller of this episode. And what better topic <laughs> than 2020 in all of its glory. Uh, I use that word loosely because it has not been a glorious year by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that to me, that's kind of the, the fun of it is for this first episode, why don't we look back at 2020 and all that it has had to offer from fashion, beauty, media, and entertainment standpoint. And I can just give you guys my take on a couple of the top things I think occurred, a little bit of a curated look from my perspective. And I think that that's a great way to get the show started and let you know what it's all about. So... Before I get into that, I think it would be great if I just even give you guys a little bit of background about me and what I've done. Like, uh, I, I've done a lot in the fashion industry space. Um, I've modeled, I worked as a stylist, I worked as a booker, and I've been working in content creation and digital media now for, gosh, five years. And uh, along that time, I've had a lot of opinions. <laughs> which is what this is all about, sharing those opinions and stories and perspectives. And and I just, gosh, I have just, we've just seen so much happen in, in the space, even in the last, I'll say, five years, seven, 10 years of fashion, like that I've really been watching fashion closely and really been wanting to work in the space. And, and I feel like that really all came to a culmination in 2020, 2020, like went from zero to 100 real quick. And, and I think that that's like what better topic to talk about and share my thoughts with you guys. So, um, I guess for me, the, a great way to begin this 2020 recap would even be to start small, start micro and tell you guys about my 2020 personal experience. It's so just so you know, like kind of where I'm coming from, the lens that I'm kind of like guiding these, these stories through. And it's so funny to me because I started off 2020 thinking about 2019, 2019 was for me personally, it was a tough year. 
2019, like I was dealing with just like mental health stuff. I was depressed. I felt like I was plateauing in where I wanted to be professionally. I had different frustrations and I was, and I left the year drained. Like I entered into 2020, like, <laughs> like, okay, 2020, be kind to me. Like that's how I started the year. And I was like, Woo, 2019 was not a, a joke. 2019 was not a game. Like 2019, you know, it knocked me around a little bit. So it's so funny because a friend of mine asked him, how has your 2020 been? And I was like, oh my God, girl, I thought, I thought 2019 was like whipping my ass. And then I found out that like 2019 was actually just strength training for 2020. Like I thought 2019 had really was like it could it was rock bottom and then I realized that like 2019 was just the pretest for 2020 and <laughs> when I got to the middle of the year and I realized that like you know all of this all of this energy and, and swirling commotion that I was kind of feeling like I was dealing with on a solitary level somehow 2020 came and it took it and it amplified it and it made it global and it made like stress anxiety and depression like collective and somehow it's funny but I actually felt prepared for 2020 because I was like well I've been in this space I've been in this crazy whirlwind and now it's like it, it's weird. I don't, it's weird, but it was like as if the rest of the world was experiencing my 2019 in the form of their 2020. And it actually allowed me to, while tired, gave me this perspective that it just felt so equalizing. And I was like, oh my God, I all the uncertainty that I've been dealing with now, everybody else is dealing with it in 2020. And, and I'm highly poised to kill this year because I'm not I'm, I'm not surprised by it. I wasn't thrown off. I didn't have to acclimate to the tumult. Like I was already in that headspace of, of that, of navigating it. And so I felt super ready for 2020. And ultimately, despite all the triumphs and tribulations and ups and downs and the craziness of the year, I feel like my personal 2020 was actually better than my 2019. And I feel pretty good. <laughs> I, it's crazy, but I feel like when I took that perspective about it, the craziness of 2020 was pretty manageable. <laughs> so that's me personally, but I know that the rest of you guys, the rest of the world, 2020, um, it really it was like a shakedown, basically. 2020 like stole our lunch money. But um, I think that, I think that, for me, the year was really accented by two things that set the tone and really permeated all facets of society and culture, global life as, as a whole. And that is, as you already know, coronavirus, COVID-19, the Rona as number one, and uh, the Black Lives Matter movement as that second thing. And for me, these are the two catalysts that really marked the full scope of the year. Like anything that happened is filtered through that lens of how did COVID-19 affect it and how did BLM affect it? And man, they really affected it. It's just like, let's just dive, let's just dive deep into it. Like, let's get into it. 
the fashion industry? How was the fashion industry affected by these two things? And and just in general, what happened? For me, one of the biggest things that I could point out was, oh my gosh, when COVID hit and lockdown hit and everything got shuttered, the decline of retail hit and it hit hard, you guys. Like in 2019, I think that there was already some some kind of rumblings of where's the future of retail? Where is it going? Is it in decline? How is it going to compete with, you know, the digital space and and kind of everything that happens on in that realm in terms of e-commerce? But, oh my gosh, the Rona hit and it hit. Like, you guys, I just remember bankruptcies like Neiman Marcus, Lord & Taylor, JCPenney, these like industry stalwarts that you always think are going to be there they were just folding under the the pressures and and I for me that was like crazy and and it was really destabilizing and but it was also kind of exciting because I was like you know sometimes being a millennial we we we're kind of just used to a lot of the things that that previous generations took for granted just collapsing when it gets down to us. <laughs> like, you know, home ownership, single use plastics, you know, college education, those things that everybody says that like is going to be great. And it, when it works for them, like previous generations, when it gets to us, it's just like, you know, bursts into flames. And that's kind of what I felt like happened with retail. I was like, you know, all these companies that have been around for decades, they are just like, you know, the mainstays of the industry. And and suddenly it was just like chapter 11, chapter 11, chapter 11. And that's just like kind of exciting almost because I think that the industry needed to be shaken up. I, I think that a lot of times um, those corporate ladders, they can be really hard to scale, especially as us millennials kind of coming of age during this great recession. It was like so hard to to really get our footing and no but and like, you know, in order for us to move up the ladder, that means other other people ahead of us, they need to move up as well. And a lot of things felt stalled. And and so it's just like feeling like things were plateauing and with COVID-19, it just came in and it just like injected this like shock, this bolt and it just shook up everything. It was like, it just like threw the pieces off the monopoly board or something like it was, it was like crazy. And, and I think that that's actually kind of exciting because even on the, on the local level in Toronto where I'm located, like, and I think about it, like, what what were the barriers of entry for us millennials to like to get our foot in the door of like you know owning owning your own brick and mortar what rent when rent was crazy how do you how do you get in but now actually it's like everything has been leveled because you know rents property rents have declined substantially to where now it's like oh i can have a dream and i can and i can get into the space for a little investment because everything is so 
crazy that the cost of entry, the barrier to entry is lowered and it allows for new ideas, um, fresh talent, you know, to, to enter in and do something new other when otherwise we might not have had that ability. So it's kind of exciting to me. I don't know if you guys have experienced that in each of you gear cities and where you're from, but I feel like there's this like resurgence and this like kind of exciting element about it. So I think that's kind of good. Um, what else has been going on guys? Okay. Black lives matter. Ugh. I, I personally have been avoiding the George Floyd tape, so I've never, I haven't seen it, but like when it hit in, in the summer, it was just a culmination of so much. It was just like, it, you know, it, honestly, I feel like black lives matter. It was like a perfect storm of so many things occurring at once. And then like obviously not even just with George Floyd, but with Breonna Taylor and, um, and just so many other people. And, and I feel like with COVID, I feel like normally us as, as, as black people, whether it's like I lived in the U S so black Americans, but even, even in Canada, black Canadians, I feel like we've been saying things and we've been saying these same things for a while but it almost maybe seemed as if the world was like maybe too busy to listen. Like, oh, I have an event to go to or, oh, I have this gathering or, oh, I have this thing going on or, oh, um, I just don't want to listen. And COVID, I think, provided the perfect uh, the perfect platform for this because COVID leveled everything else that anybody was doing. We were all stuck at home. There's nowhere for you to go. There's nothing for you to do. You can't see your friends deal with your anti-blackness. <laughs> and that was, to me, like super kind of exciting in that it was like, oh my gosh, finally, I mean, finally people can listen. Like, yes, people have been stripped of all their distractions or anything that they would like to put in front of dealing with these topics that black people have been trying to to say for the longest time. And now... Um, being stripped of those disturbances and and uh, and then also being cooped up at home and and that kind of restlessness, it all combined to what really was like um, a, a great racial reckoning across like all industries. Like every industry was touched by Black Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter mission, and 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 nobody was safe, and it was. And, and nobody needed to be safe. Everybody needed to deal with what they had chose to ignore for so long. And for me, again, maybe because I'm just like a messy bitch that loves drama, but <laughs> just kidding. But I like, I liked to see what will this shakeup create for all these industries that are stale and have been saying the same thing forever. How will you react with this? you know, wild card, so to speak, thrown in your industry, how will you deal? And a lot of people, you know, dealt in exciting ways and a lot of people showed their true colors. So it was really like allyship versus performative allyship. And it was like Hunger Games out there on social media, like just seeing the way that people would, you know, perform their allyship, be called out. It was just like, oh my goodness, I was furiously watching <laughs> everything unfold because I was like, I need to see how this shakes out. And, and 
And from it emerged some really exciting things, though, I think that if you haven't uh, heard all these things that I'm going to introduce you to, I hope that this can be an opportunity for you to learn something new and dig deeper into really what the movement was about. You know, when the dust settles, what is the change that we want to create? And one of the one of the first things that that came across that I think was really amazing was um, the 15 percent pledge. And I believe that was founded by Aurora James, designer of Brother Valleys. If not, then she's definitely deeply uh, rooted in this. But basically, the 15% pledge, what it's all about is it's based on the fact that um, Black Americans make up 15% of America's total population. And so as a result, it only makes sense that um, whether you're a retailer or if you're like e-commerce or or even if you're media, that you make space 15% of the of what you do and you attribute that to black voices, black black companies, give them shelf space, give them a microphone in your publication. And and basically what it really did was it called companies forward and said, take the pledge. And, and really put put your black square, you know, take that action and make it real. How will you, you know, really get involved in a meaningful way that can contribute beyond just lip service? And that was actually really cool because a lot of people jumped into that. And I, Sephora took the pledge, Rent the Runway took the pledge, Indigo took the pledge, Vogue took the pledge. And so they said that, you know, 15% of our shelf space, 15% of the work we commission is going to be from black, black voices, black companies, black producers. And, and to me, I think that it was really important to, to say something like that. And to, because like, I feel like Black Lives Matter happened and everybody threw up their their black square. I don't know how many times I need to see that Desmond Tutu uh, quote graphic about injustice. And it was like, okay, yeah, you true. But what else? <laughs> Cause I've like never seen you post anybody that was not like of European descent on your page. And so it was like, to me, it was, it was, we needed that kind of action beyond just the lip service and 15% pledge really spoke to that and brought that to the forefront. And I was like, okay, this is something. And then we have the another side to that, which is for me, 15% pledge is like, it's hopeful, it's optimistic. It's like based on, on just like, it's like we're giving you demographics, we're giving you facts. Can you just address these things? There's, it doesn't even ask for like, make everything black or, or like, any, it doesn't say like, it's not asking for more than what is literally already there and what literally would just make sense demographically. And I felt like I liked where it was coming from. And it's like hopeful. It's optimistic. I kind of refer to it as like the, the, I have a dream. It was like of that. It was like giving MLK. And then on the other side of that, you have, uh, the, the pull-up challenge, which I call it the pull-up challenge, but I think it's officially to go by pull-up for change. And uh, to me, they were like the the Malcolm X side of it because they were like, you know what? No more lip service, no more black squares. Pop the hood on your company and let me see who's on your managerial level, who's on your executive level, who's on your board of directors. Put your money where your mouth is. Pull up, dot, 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 or shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and 
to me, I love this other perspective, too, because I was like, you know, this is really the meat of change. Like, this is where, like, and I say meat, meaning like, like literally M-E-A-T, like, because this is meaty, like, this is where change actually occurs. Like, yes, change occurs when you, when, when Vogue commissions a black photographer and we love to see it, but change really occurs, like, in a profound generational you know, deeply sincere and authentic way, not only when they commission a freelance black photographer, but when they make like their beauty director black or when you make your board of director as someone people are on their black, because then it's not just a one time contribution. It's a continual voice. And I think that what 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 happened with that and what we saw was that um, when a lot of people started, you know, creating that transparency and and opening up and exposing what their HR breakdown was, we saw that, unfortunately, you know, it wasn't as great as we thought. It was, it was on those levels. um, It was practically non-existent. Like for many, I think that we were, people were looking at like Facebook and Google and Apple and every, every, Every Fortune 500, they were looking at it and it was like, and it was all too, all too the same for all of them. It was like, and then what it just comes down to was, it was just, it just said to me like, okay, so if you have a a black employee, if you have employees of color, they're like entry level and they've been working there for like five years and they've been, they're not going anywhere. Like that they, they level out at like mid tier, like, and they're not actually, and those people are not the decision makers. Those people are the people you take a picture with and put on your diversity newsletter, but their job security is practically nil and they don't make any decisions and they are actually, frankly, scared to talk at work. So it's like, if that is the extent of your diversity, then what do we do with that? So what I think is so amazing too about this, and I think that um, amidst all the craziness of the year, um, I want to even give a minute to, to, to give another voice right now. And I'm going to, I want to like really introduce you guys to Rihanna's acceptance speech, um, for her when she accepted the president's award at the 51st, uh, NAACP awards, because I actually think that the pull up for change got their name from this speech that Rihanna did. And it was just so profound. And I want to I want to give you guys like a minute or so of of just Bagul Ruby's amazingness. So I'm going to cut her in right now. And I want you guys to just listen to what she had to say. And I'm going to tie it back in when I get back in. So just listen to this really quick. I mean, how many of us in this room have colleagues and partners and friends from other races, sexes, religions? Show of hands. Well, then, you know, they want to break bread with you, right? They like you? Well, then, this is their problem, too. So when we're marching and protesting and posting about the Michael Brown Juniors and the Tatiana Jeffersons of the world, Tell your friends to pull up. Yes. 
Okay. See, Bad Girl Marie always delivers. And can you believe that when she's, the, the, the whole, whole energy, her tell your friends to pull up, which I think is kind of inspired the name of the pull up for change whole movement. The funny, the crazy thing about this is that she made that statement back in February, back before Black Lives Matter had 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 this moment, back before COVID-19, back when everything was quote unquote normal. She, it was still not normal for many people. And she's, and it was compelling enough for her to have to make those kinds of statements. And I, it's just, to me, it's crazy that she was making those statements even before any of the craziness of 2020 occurred. So I just think it was indicative and maybe she's like psychic or something, but we stand a queen Riri. So we know we go with it, but, um, what else? I think, I mean, honestly, this Black Lives Matter, I think it touched every, every, nobody was safe, honestly, like, and they don't need to be safe if you're anti-black, like, then no, you don't need, what is safety? There was no rest for the wicked if you're, if you're into anti-blackness. So, you know, speaking of people who weren't letting them rest, um, there, I don't know if you guys heard about influencer pay gap. Um, basically influencer pay gap is this little account that not so little anymore, but it was like a mystery account that popped up on Instagram sometime in the middle of the year and was all about airing out those disparities that influencers face in the influencer sphere because of, um, payment disparities, pretty much boiling down to race. And I remember I am, I am in, uh, some groups with women of color. Uh, it's called the glow up and it's founded by co-founded by, um, Shanae Ingleton Smith. And, um, gosh, I can't remember. Um, I know she goes by darling T on Instagram. I can't remember her, her full name, but definitely check that out. And I think that, um, for me, I've learned so much being a part of this community. And so when I saw something like Influencer Pay Gap pop up that was like talking about all these disparities that that influencers of color um, are facing, that they're literally getting paid like 10% of their white counterparts. And it was just like, and they were airing it out. Like they were calling out, you guys need to look at this account. It's very juicy if you haven't seen it or heard of it. Just go on and pop that into Instagram. Uh, because I just remember reading it and I was just like shooketh. I was just like, oh my God, they are just, they're just, it's a shakedown. They are just shaking these people down for work, free labor. And I mean, and by the end of the year, you could really see how far reaching this kind of stuff was because it was like, by the end of the year, I'm, I'm reading Business Insider and hearing about how Fashion Nova doesn't pay anybody and the payment, the, the, for influencers and they just like, Oh my God, I was just like the exploitation in this industry is just crazy. And, and it was just like, man, again, because I, for me, step one is put this stuff out there, start talking about it, literally shake the table. And that's oftentimes the first step is to get something done is to air it out start talking about it. Me, sometimes it gets, it's going to make people uncomfortable. It's going to make it awkward. But when everybody's siloed in their own corners, getting lowballed and underpaid, then we're definitely not going to move forward. So the first thing we need to start doing is start talking about who's not paying. Why aren't they paying? Why are they paying so low? 
what are the patterns that are emerging in the in their payment structures? You know, why is that like that? Call them out. And I think that 2020 has been the year of calling them out. Oh, calling people out has been crazy. So, but I think too, it's also, it's not just about calling out just for like clicks and likes. It's calling out as a first step for action. And it's some of that action that's been going on too. One, another exciting um, company that I saw pop up was the Black and Fashion Council, which their mission is all about the advocacy and advancement of black people in fashion. That was founded by Lindsay Peoples Wagner, uh, editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue and consultant Sandrine Charles. These girls are like Oh my God, they're like my idols. I just, I, I look at their careers. I think that they're so amazing, both black women of color. And they're just like, they've, they said, okay, enough is enough. What can we do? And they founded this, this really amazing initiative. And I'm excited to see really the concrete work that they get to get into in the next year. And just really, I think, holding court, making space, like really like slamming their hands on the, on the table and saying, okay, like what, what are we going to do? What are, what are these companies going to do? And, and honestly, it was just like, nobody was safe because if you're faking, you can't be safe. You can't live. We can't let them, we can't let them live. If you, if you're just talking lip service, but you're not really for the culture. So that I really enjoyed about 2020. 2020 did not let up. But that's like a lot of even just fashion, but also in the beauty space. Like there was, the beauty space was interesting in that while the fashion space kind of retail took like hit after hit, but beauty actually kind of grew, I felt like this year. Beauty was like our escape from when everything was collapsing. It was like, okay, well do this like eye mask. <laughs> Okay, rub an eye cream on. Beauty became such an integral part of our of our lives because it it provided like a tool for momentary escapism in this like crazy uncertain time. We could turn inward, turn to self care, turn to health, turn to like personal betterment, and just like lavishing and luxuriating ourselves while everything was just burning down around us. And and I think that beauty had a had a had a moment this year like everything beauty's I've, I've heard beauty's doing really well in terms of like sector growth especially we're all stuck at home like what else can you do but pamper yourself and do your like sheet mask over a zoom meeting and everything like that that people have been joking about so beauty's actually having a great year <laughs> um but but even with that being said, even beauty couldn't be spared from from the racial reckoning that was BLM. And it didn't need to be because I think that a lot of conversations started being had. Um, I myself as a model and having having connections to the Toronto modeling community and just like having those conversations with models and artists and stuff, you know, real conversations started to be had. Like we talked about how how we were mistreated like we talked about how we were overlooked we talked about all of the things that people the little microaggressions that people say under their breath about our hair and about this and about that and and agents who'd be like oh we already have one black girl on the board and you have like you know a hundred white girls but then why you can't have more than one black girl and all kinds of things that 
conversations started to be had and they need to be had. But my only fear is that for for the beauty space in particular, I didn't really see actionable steps as much. Um, and uh, I'm not really sure how they're going to continue to to serve these underserved populations that they've been like historically neglecting. And so for me, I'm really looking to 2021 to see how they put their money where their mouth is because black women put so much money into the beauty industry, put so much money. Black women are the hair industry. Like, honestly, if you really want to talk about it, like we could talk about it because black hair is, is culture and and we we hold so much financial weight in in these spaces, but yet you know people are not serving us, not addressing us, not having conversations. And I think that twenty twenty one is going to start to show some of that change and some of that like acknowledgement that like we exist. But I think it's for me it's it's really left to to be seen. Um, But other things that have been going on, you guys, even, oh my gosh, um, fashion media has been, has been also, man, fashion media has been uh, really, also I think fashion media has been coming to terms with some of those things that it hasn't been dealing with in terms of um, not having black voices. Like, I remember, um, I don't know if you guys remember Amy Cooper, aka Central Park Karen, But when all her mess started going around, um, it really opened up this conversation and it gave um, women of color, um, especially notably black women, it gave us the space and the, the, the opportunity to talk about some of the experiences that we've been taking on and silently, you know, basically fighting under for so long and when that conversation started, oh my gosh, it didn't stop. Like Twitter blew up and, and everybody, I just remember hearing so many, um, like previous editors and employees of like fashion media, like Vogue and Refinery29, like airing out their experiences and it was not pretty and somebody had to answer for it. (laughs) And one person that answered for it was the, was who was she um it was uh christine barberich um editor-in-chief and co-founder of refinery 29 i don't know if you guys remember but or if you caught that but she stepped down in the middle of june because shit was just like getting too real and it had people had to deal with the fact that you know they're up here terrorizing people's lives on the low and I'm, I, I say that, you know, a little facetiously because obviously I don't know I wasn't I'm not in the Refinery29 workspace and I love Refinery29. So I hate to even have to address it. But like I've experienced that kind of stuff in my own in my own life, in my own like working environments of just like just the craziness that that happens and in and, and that the ways in which women of color um, predominantly, especially black women can be treated in these workspaces where they are very clearly a visible minority with limited job security. And it's just like, I think that the backlash, I think it, it was fitting. It was fitting for what people have been dealing with. If you really look at and listen to people's stories, like, yeah. So I think that 
people made swift moves, like, you know, whether it was restructuring their board of directors or restructuring their leadership team or something briefly. But we'll see. To me, it really, it really, I really have to see. And for 2020, to me, 2020 was the year of of the shakeup and 2021 needs to be the year of the restructuring because we spent so much time like reading all of our like white privilege books and whatever else people got told to do for homework. And now it's like, okay, well, did you do the homework? That's to me, that's what 2021 is going to be about. Did you do the homework or did you just not? And so that's to me what I'm kind of one thing I'm looking forward to for 2021 is to see, okay, well, put your money where your mouth is and let's see what happens. So one last thing too, one thing I want to touch on in, in terms of just how um, 2020 has has uh, impacted the entertainment space is I think that with COVID really really shutting down all of our collective experiences. Like when I think of like anything that happens in a group, like concerts, movies, events, you know, entertainment in 2020 has gone from things that we can enjoy together to things we enjoy alone. And I think that that shift in the entertainment and the way it's given and the way it's consumed has been kind of exciting, uh, kind of interesting, kind of really taking this industry to a fast forward into like a new space. Because if you look at like, uh, any, everything, any, any, anything that we use as entertainment sources, music, television, film, all of those things has kind of become like personal, more personalized and more, more, just streamlined to that singular, you know, individual experience rather than a collective experience. And it's interesting to see how that is going to shake out for, for the next year. And also how that will affect all of these spaces that are, that are used to collective experiences, experience marketing and all that kind of stuff. That's all about like collective experiences and events and, and, you know, where is, will Coachella even happen next year? Prob not. Like, what does this mean for all these spaces? And, and I think one, one interesting um, thing to look at in particular was even uh, Bandcamp versus Spotify. If we look at like the music industry and the way that um, they handled COVID and the way that they handled Black Lives Matter, because again, those two things, they touched every aspect of every industry. And I think that this year in particular, people really got to see the difference um, between, you know, what con- what uh, companies were were really, you know, keeping it real and which ones were just, you know, capping a little bit. But because I think when if you look at like David and Goliath in a way, Bandcamp being like the, the David and Spotify being like the Goliath of the music industry, you can see the different ways they handled all these kind of crazy shakeups Spotify to my knowledge hasn't really done anything they gave back to the artists but Bandcamp on the other hand uh Bandcamp launched launched something called Bandcamp Friday where once a month um every like it was like once a month on a Friday they would uh they would waive their fee so that artists and records record labels and who had their their 
music on the service could make more money from purchases that were that were like that were, that were transacted on that day. And I think that it's it started off as something just to like support the industry during COVID, but I believe that they're going to keep going with it. And if you just were following them a bit more, you would like even they took their June 5th, their Juneteenth proceeds from June 19th and they they took that their profits from that day and they donated it to the NAACP. And to me, those were kind of things that were that were nice to see. Obviously, to me, that's not the end of it. But when you look at um, Bandcamp, somebody small like that versus maybe like what is Spotify doing or what is iTunes doing? What is Apple doing? Google, how are they giving back to the artist? You know, I think it's definitely a difference that you can see. And it's like, well, if Bandcamp can do that, then why can't, why can't these bigger conglomerates that have so much money and are just swimming in it? Why, how are they going to support the artists that make their platforms exist? And, and the, and I think the reality is to be honest, I think that they're, they're going to not. And, and I think that that's kind of evident by even looking at some of the some of the ways that artists have gone about making money this year, because obviously everybody knows you make no money from streaming, you make pennies from Spotify and you, um, and money is in touring and who's touring with the Rona loose. Um, so, (laughs) so how are people making their money? And, and I think to me, I looked at people like Travis Scott and his McDonald's deal. And I look at Saweetie and, and how she does like, all her other partnerships be it with pretty little thing cheetos and etc because y'all i can't lie i have fallen in love with sweetie this year and i'd be watching her youtube religiously (laughs) i know that's right so anyway side note but (laughs) but you look at how artists are making their money now and you you see that i mean honestly musicians are turning into influencers i mean like y'all need to back up out my space okay better sell some merch let me do my let me do the sponsored ad but but yeah like it's crazy I think it's interesting to note that uh, musicians are are becoming like the influencers um they're tapping into that space as a means to make money because music as itself I think music doesn't make money music is is a way to get known so that then you can you can make money some other way be it touring which is not happening or selling merch or being an ambassador or getting endorsements and sponsorships like that's where the money's at selling product and I think that 2020 especially made that evident because you know nothing else was going on and no but there was no other way to make money and so artists really tapped in with brands and had to get connected and I think that that's something interesting to watch and see how that continues to unfold and and, and evolve for 2021. And, um, gosh, the year has just been really crazy. Even like when I think about where we're going and everything that's emerging, like even going back into that whole, um, individual entertainment space, like things like TikTok have been popping off because everybody again needs that escape. Um, there's a new emerging platform called Clubhouse, which is all about, it's like audio chat. It's like, it's like being in an audio chat room. I it's it's so new right now. It's not even it's not even like available to just sign up. You need to get an invite. 
So the damn elites are at it again, keeping us out of things, I know. Um, but, you know, I got my invite, so I'm playing. But um, get you an invite if you can get one. Get on there if you can. If you can't, I understand. I felt I was out in the cold, too, for a minute there. But I think it's just interesting to see the evolution of this of this social media that's, like, all about... Um, Per, like really like personalized entertainment, like entertainment specifically to be consumed by one person at a certain time. And then also uh, dovetailing that with the fact that we need connection and we need to feel connected to people even when we're all in our own homes. And how will the content and the content providers speak to that need? Because just because we're stuck at home doesn't mean we don't feel these the social pulls humans are social animals we want to connect and so I feel like entertainment is addressing both the challenge and both that need at the same time and it's interesting to see what the solution will be so I'm kind of really looking forward to 2021 and what that's going to have to offer as well and uh, I think that for me those were some of like the biggest things that really defined 2020 it was just like frankly chaos tumult <laughs> upheaval uh reckoning and and 2021 is going to be all about solutions to me I'm I hope I I just want to I think for me at this point I want to say thank you so much for tuning in and for going over this recap with me it was so fun to kind of like get all this off my chest and let you guys know what I think of how this year went and I think that the best thing that we can do right now looking at 2021 being on the cusp of 2021 and is to really say to me take a moment take a breath and congratulate yourself okay <laughs> congrats you survived 2020 I need you to know that if you didn't do anything today, if you didn't, if you didn't learn how to bake bread, if you didn't learn a new language, if you didn't get that new job, if your graduation was canceled, if your wedding was canceled, if your freaking life was canceled, you know, like, I mean that symbolically, not literally. Um, I just want you to know that if you are still hanging in there today, then give yourself a pat on the back, okay? Give yourself props because if you look at everything I just talked about for the past however long it's been, how many people, how many companies, how many things didn't survive 2020? I know brands, I know companies right now, I ain't gonna say no names, but they ain't paid their rent since like February, okay? There's big Fortune 500 household name companies and brands that are neglecting to pay their their rent in their retail space. They're neglecting to pay their vendors. They are in flames. They are this and that and the third. And if you have paid your rent in the last like 10, 10 months, then, you know, girl, props to you because, you know, there's people out here that can't say the same. You know, there's whole companies out here that should they should have more money than you. They should be better than you. They can't say the same. So if you like put it into perspective, like if you have if you are surviving right now, then you are basically on the winning team. 
because there's so many things that haven't made it. How many how many companies do you know that have folded under the pressure of 2020? And if you're still here today, exhausted, <laughs> sweating, beat down like you just went nine rounds with Mike Tyson, it's okay, girl. I know. I know. I feel the same way, but you survived. And that deserves applause. That deserves praise. You deserve the freaking world. Okay. So just like get some champagne or something and, and toast on a small level at home. <laughs> but, but just like give yourself props heading into 2021. Give yourself a break. Give yourself the the freedom to to relax to to not achieve because so many people and so many companies so many entities are just barely made it so if you made it like you win you get the trophy because 2020 ain't ain't for punks you know so i just want you to know and be encouraged and to and just to like own this moment because I mean honestly we don't know what 2021 has to offer you know we're trying to be hopeful but it's it's probably gonna be a bit bit of a roller coaster a bit of a so just just get comfortable 2020 was like a mechanical bull 2020 maybe it's the pretest for 2021 we don't know so but all you can do is stay grounded stay just stay true stay authentic allow yourself room to to breathe rest recharge rejuvenate um be flexible have the have have the agility to pivot when needed because if 2020 has taught us anything that it is that those who pivot are those who survive because honey there's chaos but if you can find the opportunity in the chaos then you're gonna get to the bag okay that's a fact so stay stay agile stay ready um i love you you did you're doing amazing sweetie and um just just be like water uh <laughs> flow be ready and and be rooted in yourself because when you're rooted in yourself that's the first step to take on whatever kind of craziness this next year is gonna send to you you're just gonna you're just gonna flow you're gonna bounce it off and uh, that's the energy we need to have going into 2021. You're magical. You can do it. And uh, and you know what? Put on some Cardi B or something if you need a pep talk. Okay, put on some City Girls. Put on something to remind yourself that you are, in fact, the bad bitch that you always knew you were. Unlock her. Let her out. Let her off the leash. And get ready to smack 2021 in the face and get a bag. Shine on, queens. We love to see it.